everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. Hey, everybody, welcome back. Today we are looking at 2 Chronicles 32 and 33, and I think at the heart of these chapters is a question many of you may have had before. Uh, Is it possible to be so evil, so wicked, so against God that forgiveness is no longer possible? Uh, That is a pretty critical question to the text we're reading today, and I do think there might be a little bit of an answer to be found in it. Uh, So I invite you to stick around for the reading. If you're listening to the podcast, just uh, listen to the second half to hear the reading or read for yourself 2 Chronicles 32 and 33. So it's kind of crazy because Manasseh is Hezekiah's son. So we talked a little bit about this yesterday. So like he is this king that's coming after. What struck me is that he is labeled or known to be one of the worst kings because of the like completely horrible things that he did, sacrificing his children, literally taking down every single um, piece of, I guess, like holy worship and profaning it for all the other gods. It said all, what did it say? It said like all the other like hosts of heaven. I forget what they called it. Uh, Yeah. All the hosts of heaven. Yeah. Yeah. And they put those in the courts of the Lord Um, they put things back up in the high places and like, it's just, it's real bad. He's sacrificing. Did I say that? He's sacrificing his own children. Like what the heck? So this guy is messed up. Um, he was also back into fortune telling sorcery. Um, just like Saul. Yes. Just like Saul. So like all these really horrible things that mark him as being this terrible King, but something that really struck me, which is really interesting. And I think it kind of goes along with the end of, uh, Manasseh's story is that he reigned for 55 years typically when we have terrible kings they only last for a little while because they're super prideful they're super terrible and they're always going after really bad things manasseh reigned for a long time that's like is it possible okay this is one of the things i was thinking about reading over it so we we have read this story now three times like i'm guessing if you've been tracking with the podcast you're pretty familiar with the narrative here um Hezekiah, the Assyrians basically say like to the the Assyrians say to the people of Judah, Hezekiah has worked against your gods. He's saying like Hezekiah in tearing down all the high places has offended the gods of Israel. So he's confused and he thinks that the gods of Israel are the idols. Is it possible that Manasseh was able to reign for a long time because he literally restored the things that the people wanted? I think there's something to be said about God's sovereignty. I think that like plays it too cheap. I think God is allowing, like, an opportunity for repentance to be shown. Because how can such a terrible guy who is making every wrong choice possible, how much cooler of a testament is it to hear about his repentance later in his lowest point? Like, it's not like, well, if you don't stop, I'm going to do this to you. It's like, no, he's taken off. He's carried off into exile himself. Correct. Yeah. 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 And that um, is his opportunity for repentance. And I think that's because I read that today. I like have a completely different understanding and appreciation for him. Second Chronicles 33 verse 11. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. Mm-hmm. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea 
and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. I'm getting a lot of like Saul turned Paul vibes from Manasseh. That's funny. One of the commentaries I was just reading did exactly that. Mm -hmm. Compared him. It, so this is, um, unfortunately, it's not one of the more famous, I don't think. It's um, weird because you would think that this one would get a lot of... This is one of the most significant Red. acts of repentance, I think, in mm -hmm. the narrative so far. Manasseh in Second Kings is called even more evil than the nations that held the mm -hmm. land before the Israelites came in. So the, yeah. the people that were devoted to destruction under Joshua were more righteous than Manasseh. Mm. And then here, the, <laughs> the, the writer of Chronicles is saying, yep, all that's true. Like he doesn't, he doesn't take that away. Like yeah. you still see that he is wicked and evil. And when he is brought to the brink of judgment, he's carried away, wrapped up in bronze chains. He understands the sin that he's committed. He understands the God he has offended. And he returns to Jerusalem and does everything that Hezekiah did. Mm -hmm. The weird thing is he's literally tearing down the idols that he himself had built. But he is forgiven. Yeah. It says uh, verse 13 of chapter 33, then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. So that to me is like, like, was there confusion before or was he like, just going after his own desires and passions. I don't really know. Uh, but after that, he, like, makes a total turn. He comes back. He starts fortifying the city. He's, like, taking everything down. He left the high places, but the people, that's an interesting thing. I think this is, like, really powerful to leaders specifically. Like, your your choices, your desires, your passions, the things that you strive after that are not God completely can wreck the people who follow you. Because even after Manasseh comes back and he starts like trying to change things for the better, um, the people that are still there, they continue to seek out what was from before, like sacrificing to gods, seeking out all the, the fortune tellers and all the things like people are still confused and um, running after those things. So leadership plays a huge role, especially if you are in a place of um, leading others in any shape or form, but specifically um, as a leader for the Lord. And, and there is forgiveness for Manasseh that is recorded in the book, mm -hmm. but the consequences of his leadership remain. Yeah. So he does find right relationship with God somehow, uh, but also the people have still been led astray. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that we can take away from this one is like, you are not too far gone. You're, you're just not like you can repent. You can be the most wicked person recorded in the Bible. You know, Manasseh is close yeah. and you can recognize your sin. You can repent and you can enjoy right relationship with God. You are not too far gone. This is also an instance of an old Testament person um, who supposedly, like if you listen to the world, serving under this, like, um, what, narcissistic, prideful, selfish God that loves to judge people, here is an Old Testament evil person receiving grace, forgiveness, yeah. and mercy from a God that has not changed and remains gracious and merciful and loving. Because he could have just been like, no, I'm killing you too, yes, but he didn't. But he didn't. And so it's important to hold all these things in context and see what's going on. Actually, um, just, just the other day, I got a comment uh, about... How, what a contradiction, this God is so loving and yet he's so judgmental. Like, how's that even possible? Well, I mean, here's a great example of a God that is loving and judgmental. Like, uh, Manasseh was judged for his sin. He's carried into exile. He turns from his wicked ways. He repents and he enjoys forgiveness for his sin. He enjoys mm -hmm. grace and mercy from God and right relationship with God. So it, it is possible for God to be just and also gracious and merciful. 
Mm-hmm. And aren't we so thankful that he is both? Like, yes. <laughs> if everything was permissible, it would be insane. If nothing was like given grace at all, we would we would have lost a long time ago. So it like just I know I'm repeating myself, but do not forget Manasseh and how wicked he has been recorded to be in three different instances in three different books, mm-hmm. and yet. Here in Chronicles, it's recorded that he receives grace and forgiveness because so of his repentance. So much so that he was buried with his fathers. Yeah. That's a big deal, too, because yes. only the, I guess, semi-good, mostly good, yeah. <laughs> get to be. So what is a your part? I guess it kind of goes along with what you were just saying, but... The, the your part is exactly that. You are not too far gone. I think mm-hmm. uh, probably a good thing for a lot of people to remember, like a, a lot of you listening are not <laughs> as wicked or evil as Manasseh. <laughs> a lot of you are trying to live a life that is honoring to God. Uh, it is probably really good for you to be reminded of the fact that people who hated Manasseh um, would have been shocked by his repentance. Yeah. And so if you are dealing with somebody in your life that you think is wicked and evil and wretched, that may be true. Uh, but God's forgiveness is still available to them. And we want to pray ultimately for their forgiveness and reconciliation to God, because that was a good thing when it happened to Manasseh. So we'll be uh, back again tomorrow. Uh, Obviously, we always are. (laughs) So we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to our take today. Before we get into the reading, if we could just ask you one thing, Uh, If you've been enjoying the podcast, if you could subscribe to us and then leave a rating and review, we'd love to hear from you. And every rating we get helps us reach more people. Ultimately, we're just trying to reach people with the truth of God's word and your review will help us do that. So thanks so much for being invested in the podcast. Here's the reading for today. Second Chronicles chapter 32. After these things and these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah and encamped against the fortified cities thinking to win them for himself. And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and intended to fight against Jerusalem, he planned with his officers and his mighty men to stop the water of the springs that were outside the city, and they helped him. A great many of people were gathered, and they stopped all the springs and the brook that flowed through the land, saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find much water? He set to work resolutely and built up all the wall that was broken down and raised towers upon it, and outside it he built another wall, and he strengthened the Milo in the city of David. He also made weapons and shields in abundance, and he set his combat commanders over the people and gathered them together to him in the square and in the gate of the city, and spoke encouragingly to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or dismayed before the king of Assyria and all the horde that is with him, for there are more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God, to help us and to fight our battles. And the people took confidence from the words of Hezekiah the king of Judah. After this, Sennacherib the king of Assyria, who was besieging Lachish with all his forces, sent his servants to Jerusalem to Hezekiah king of Judah, and to all the people of Judah who were in Jerusalem, saying, Thus says Sennacherib king of Assyria, On what are you trusting that you endure the siege of Jerusalem? Is not Hezekiah misleading you that he may give you over to die by famine and by thirst when he tells you, The Lord our God will deliver us from the hand of the king of Assyria? Has not the same Hezekiah taken away his high places and his altars and commanded Judah and Jerusalem, Before one altar you shall worship, and on it you shall burn your sacrifices? Do you not know what I and my fathers have done to all the peoples of other lands? Were the gods of the nations of those lands at all able to deliver the lands out of my hand? Who among all the gods of those nations that my fathers devoted to destruction 
was able to deliver his people from my hand, that your God should be able to deliver you from my hand. Now, therefore, do not let Hezekiah deceive you or mislead you in this fashion, and do not believe him, for no God of any nation or kingdom has been able to deliver his people from my hand or from the hand of my fathers. How much less will your God deliver you out of my hand? And his servant said, Still more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. And he wrote letters to cast contempt on the Lord, the God of Israel, and speak against him, saying, Like the gods of the nations of the lands who have not delivered their people from my hands, so the God of Hezekiah will not deliver his people from my hand. And they shouted with a loud voice in the language of Judah and the people of Jerusalem who were on the wall to frighten and terrify them, in order that they might take the city. And they spoke of the God of Jerusalem as they spoke of the gods of the people of the earth, which are the work of men's hands. Then Hezekiah the king and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, prayed because of this and cried to heaven. And the Lord sent an angel who cut off all the mighty warriors and commanders and officers in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned with shame to face his own land. And when he came into the house of his God, some of his own sons struck him down there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all his enemies. And he provided for them on every side. And many brought gifts to the Lord to Jerusalem and precious things to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all nations from that time onward. In those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death, and he prayed to the Lord. And he answered him and gave him a sign. But Hezekiah did not make return according to the benefit done to him, for his heart was proud. Therefore wrath came upon him and Judah and Jerusalem. But Hezekiah humbled himself for the pride of his heart, both he and his inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the wrath of the Lord did not come upon them in the days of Hezekiah. And Hezekiah had very great riches and honor, and he made for himself treasures for silver, for gold, for precious stones, for spices, for shields, and all kinds of costly vessels. Storehouses also for the yield of grain, wine, and oil, and stalls for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds. He likewise provided cities for himself and flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him a very great possession. This same Hezekiah closed the upper outlet of the waters of Gihon and directed them down to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And so in the matter of the envoys of the princes of Babylon, who had been sent to him to inquire about the sign that had been done in the land, God left him to himself in order to test him and to know what was in his heart. Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his good deeds, behold, they are written about in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Hezekiah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the upper part of the tombs of the sons of David. And all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did him honor at his death. And Manasseh his son reigned in his place. Chapter 33 Manasseh was twelve years old when he began to reign, and he reigned fifty-five years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his father Hezekiah had broken down, and he erected altars to the Baals, and made Asheroth, and worshipped all the hosts of the heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and used fortune-telling and omens and sorcery, and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. 
And he carved an image of the idol that he made, and he set it in the house of God, on which God said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house and in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that appointed your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law, the statutes, and the rules given through Moses. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray, to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and told his people, but they paid no attention. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David west of Gihon in the valley and for the entrance into the fish gate and carried it around Ophel, and he raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the army in the fortified cities of Judah, and he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord in, in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside of the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving, and he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to his God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord and the God of Israel... Behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and all his sin and his faithlessness and the sites on which he built high places and set up the ashram and the images before he humbled himself. Behold, they are written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers and they buried him in his house and Ammon his son reigned in his place. Ammon was twenty-two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem, and he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, as Manasseh his father had done. Ammon sacrificed to all the images that Manasseh his father had made and served them, and he did not humble himself before the Lord as Manasseh his father had humbled himself, but this Ammon incurred guilt more and more. And his servants conspired against him and put him to death in his house. But the people of the land struck down all those who had conspired against King Ammon. And the people of the land made Josiah, his son, king in his place. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.